fully loaded syringe, a set of scrubs, a pair of surgical gloves, and a pair of paper surgical booties. Blood spatter on scrubs was easily explained and easily gotten rid of. Surgical booties left no traceable footprints at the crime scene, and when they went into the hospital incinerator, they left behind no traceable forensic evidence either. Gloves were another matter. More than one dumb killer had been taken down when damning fingerprints were found inside gloves worn while committing a crime. But working in a hospital made disposing of surgical gloves pretty much foolproof. As long as they and his used hypodermics went into the proper containers in the proper examination rooms, he could be relatively sure they'd never be seen again and never examined for incriminating forensic evidence. He added a pair of leather driving gloves. Those were a necessity. They were the only way to ensure that he didn't leave behind a damning fingerprint or two in the rental car. They also kept him from running the risk of being seen driving while wearing surgical gloves. That certainly would have raised eyebrows. The next thing he loaded into the briefcase was that day's weapon of choice. In this case, he planned to use an ordinary household hammer, and not one he'd picked up from his neighborhood Ace Hardware. Those might very well have some distinguishing markings on them. No, he chose to use one he'd bought at a garage sale in North Phoenix. The woman, a relatively new widow, had been selling her husband's tools in preparation for moving into an assisted living facility. Initially, Peter hadn't wanted the whole lot, but she'd offered the entire kit at such a bargain basement price that he had taken all of it, rolling toolbox included. So far, he'd used only one of the tools he'd purchased that Sunday afternoon, the hacksaw, on the nosy little bitch in Greeley, Colorado, who had asked way too many questions. Getting rid of her had been an especially gratifying experience, but it had also been very messy, exceedingly messy, as the after-photo clearly showed. He'd had a lot of trouble getting himself cleaned up afterward and had worried about leaving something behind that might be traced back to him. He expected that using the hammer would be simpler. If he did it right, there'd be far less blood to deal with, and what there was would be easier to control. Having blood evidence lying around was actually quite helpful. It gave the cops something to focus on, and that was the whole secret to getting away with murder. You had to give the cops plenty of blood evidence and make sure they found it where they expected to find it. Last but not least, he picked up his digital camera. Before he put it into the briefcase, he replaced the batteries. These shots were important to him. He didn't want to miss a thing. Matthew Morrison left home that Monday morning a little past 5.30. Knowing he'd be heading out early on Monday, he had checked a Taurus out of the motor pool late Friday afternoon. By a quarter to six, he was on the 101 and driving south, heading to Red Rock, heading to Susan. The last thing he had done before he left the house was turn on Jenny's coffee. He hoped she wouldn't notice that the coffee would be a whole hour older than it usually was, but he doubted she'd pay any attention to the clock on the pot. As far as coffee was concerned, the important thing for Jenny was that she didn't have to make it herself when she finally scrambled out of bed around 7.30. When she deigned to appear in the kitchen, she wanted her coffee there and at the ready. Matt's customary departure time of 6.30 meant that his drive to the state government campus in downtown Phoenix, where he worked as an auditor, 
usually involved dealing with rush hour traffic. This morning and this early, there was barely any traffic at all. Anxious and excited, Matt kept reminding himself to slow down. Today of all days, it wouldn't do for him to get a speeding ticket. During the last week, ever since Susan had suggested they should meet at last, Matt had done his best to maintain an even keel. Last night, though, he had almost given the game away when Jenny caught him whistling as he loaded the dishwasher. What the hell are you so happy about? she had demanded. Eighteen years ago, when they first married, Jenny had been a reasonably good-looking woman. That was no longer true. Her constant negativity had turned the corners of her mouth into a perpetual sneer. Frown lines marred her forehead, but her lack of beauty was much more than skin deep. Matt, who prided himself on keeping a positive mental